on media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. This is Dean. Sexuality for me, it, it's kind of... People talk about sexuality as if it's like a... It's like a, a phase that you go through. It's like this sort of, you know, awakening that you have. And mm. then one day you just think, oh gosh, you know, I feel a bit different. Whereas actually... Ever since I can remember, I've always been different. Sexuality for me is more of just a... It was just a, a label to put on exactly how I was feeling inside. My, I knew when I was a kid that I just I just wasn't like other kids. You know, I, I preferred to, you know... I saw the colours of the objects, whereas my friends saw the racing car, whereas I was like, oh, that's a beautiful colour of blue. You know, I, I was able to sit on my mum's knee from no age. She was a hairdresser. She still is now, and um, I used to sit on her on the knee of her customers. So sh- so they would I'd be talking away goo goo and gaga to her customers, and they would be burnt to me on the knee when we cut their hair. And I think that it was because of that kind of, you know, way of communication and the way that I was brought up, always talking and expressing and meeting people from different ages from all parts of Belfast. As my mummy drove around day in day cutting their hair, that I just knew that. I felt things in a different way. I was emotional. And do you get the sense that your family knew that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was never any question that Dean was different. Dean was this, you know, character. Dean was flamboyant. And he's a a little boy who just wouldn't shut up. Way too much energy. Uh, More energy than sense half the time. Um, So, yeah, I think they always knew. And in fact, you know, nothing was a surprise when later on in life they realised that that Dean was uh, was homosexual. He sort of gravitated towards the stage, but you could have just been a thespian rather than a, a gay man. Mm. Could have been a straight thespian. Well, this is it. And I think that, you know, growing up in the early 90s, I had songs on like Gina G, who I just a little bit, was the first ever um, cassette that I owned. Mm. And I always remember from a young age, my mummy and daddy driving about. My daddy's a lorry driver. Um, we don't speak anymore, but... My fondest memories are of me and him driving around in his grey Ford Fiesta around the streets of Belfast with Westlife cassettes and Garth Brooks and Macy Gray and Bay City Rollers all playing in the cassettes and me fumbling around the glove compartment to try and find the next Steps or Spice Girls cassette in there. And I would be singing along, you know, to those tracks of my daddy constantly squeezing my knee because he knew that's what made me scream. And I was always, always wanting to get up and dance. I wanted to dance and move around and make shows for my friends and family to come and watch and make up little dance routines. And and that was just my way of expressing myself. It was never any question about it. So was it so obvious that you didn't have to have a moment where you had to sit down your parents and go, Mum, Dad, I'm gay? Well, this is the thing. I think with being such a spiritually awakened young person, I think that you feel different anyway, regardless of what my sexuality was. I just knew that I was different. And with that came real a real real struggle mm. because it was quite unfortunate really but I had a great great childhood a really good childhood and we had everything that we wanted but we weren't spoiled and we were always told to talk we sat at dinner every single night the TV went off and the food went on the table and we spoke but with that becomes a, a real pain because I couldn't express how I was feeling I didn't actually know that me liking boys had such, you know, 
in-depth consequences for some people and that this was a real struggle. I thought that me trying to express myself and me not being me not being my authentic self was going to end up in me losing friends, that I was going to be shamed, that I was going to be bullied even harder than I already was. Do you know? So you didn't want to come out? I didn't want to come out. I didn't want to admit to myself that I was gay because I had spent years and years of my life, you know, just thinking, oh, I'm a dancer, I'm a singer, I'm an actor. So therefore, I'm allowed to be camp. I walk differently. I spoke differently. And I didn't like that part, that, that person that I was because I was being so horrendously bullied in school. So me having to actually admit that was my way of saying, you're right. I was known as Gay Dean. So for me to actually turn around and say I'm gay was almost like admitting defeat. So you didn't come out at school, but despite the fact you didn't come out, you were Gay Dean anyway. Yeah. I got called everything. You know, I remember being as young as about 10, about nine or 10, being called faggot. You know, you're queer. Um, Gay Dean was what I was called. And how did that make you feel? Did Did you cry? Did you fight back? Did you tell your parents? Because I was quite cocky anyway, and because I was quite sort of confident on the on the on you know on the outer shell, I sort of that's how I get that's where I got my humour from. Mm-hmm. I learned what to what to say to be one step ahead. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was always very sharp tongued and very quick at firing that insult straight back. But then I would go away and I would sit by myself and I would think about those things that I was being that you know that were being told to me. And the hard thing about it is Emma is. I was living almost like two lives, right? So at the age of seven, I went into drama school, Saturday afternoons, doing a bit of dancing, which then turned into a real passion, which turned into my whole entire life and my Mm. existence was to be on stage and to be expressive. So I had this life, right? And then on on the other side of the coin, I am going through school like anybody else. I was reared... Um, which is another term in Northern Ireland for being brought up. I was reared on on the third biggest council estate in Europe called Rathcool, where there are paramilitaries and there are big scary men, you know, shooting people's knees off. And and not that I lived in sort of any sort of great fear, but mm. when I went into the classroom or when I went into, you know, the playground, I wasn't able to be my true self. No one really understood me. And in fact, I was looked upon as being you're talking too much, you've too much to say, you're so cocky, you're so arrogant. When in fact, I was just beyond my years. I was just brought up speaking to adults from the age of two. I was loved by my phenomenally amazing, massive family. So for me then to have to dumb all that down and 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 sort of suppress all that inner creativity and that inner voice and that inner spiritually spiritual enlightenment was excruciating. It was honestly excruciating. So, did your parents accept you, even though your your peers at school appeared to not? It wasn't a case of being accepted. It was literally just like that's just the way Dean is. That's just Dean. Do you know? And in fact, I had girlfriends. I had I had girlfriends. I was such a ladies' man at school. Believe it or not. Um, one minute I'm teaching them the choreography to S Club 7's latest latest single and the next minute I'm like can we go back around can we go behind the shed and kiss do you know what I mean I was quite a I was at the age of 11 I had the internet I knew what everything was everything I used to go into school and tell all my friends you know what the latest thing was if you know what I mean so for me then to that was the term what even that I was facing was like but actually I quite fancy these girls these, I'm, I'm holding hands with girls in the street and all the girls love me so it wasn't until I was about 12, 13, 
14 that I thought, ah, hold on a wee second here. Okay, okay, there we go. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, I just really like boys. And was there a conversation then with with your parents? Well, voice that. My my mum and dad when I was when I was about 14, 15 decided to break up, which might tore my whole world apart. And I then find it really difficult to find that moment that I could interject and say, hold on, I need to bring you two together because we need to have a conversation. Whereas unfortunately, one was off dancing the tango and the other one was doing the salsa. And I'm stuck in the middle like, oh my goodness, I really need you two to come together because I've got mm. something I need to say. But unfortunately, then over the, la- over the next two years, then until I was 16, I ended up counselling the both of them through this breakup and becoming the rock between the two. So I never really find the time to sit down and talk to them about it. Coincidentally then, out of the back of their breakup, my mum and dad, my, I ended up stopping speaking to my dad because I wasn't happy with what he was doing to my mum. So I then had all of this turmoil in my head. And then my mummy, um, on my 16th birthday, I'll never forget it. I was at the top of the stairs and a few times, a few times when she had a wee glass of wine, she'd say to me, is there anything that you want to talk to me about? Mm. I'd be like, what are you talking about, mummy? What would it, what, like, what would I, what would I possibly want to say? Are you sure I'm always here for you if you need me? Yes, mummy, I know, I know. And, me, and meanwhile, I knew exactly what she was trying to say. Mm. But there was one day, and it was sort of off the back of an argument. Actually, when she said to me, "I've had it, I've had enough, I've had enough. You need to come down and speak to me." And I said, "What is it?" And she sat me down, and she dragged it out of me. Mm. She dragged. She says, "Dean, just tell me." And I says, "What is there to say?" And bear in mind, I'm 16 years of age by this point, you know. Mm. Um. And yeah, that was it. Then I, I didn't even I didn't even have to say the words I'm gay. It was just like, you know what I'm going to say. I couldn't even say it, Emma. The words mm. couldn't come out of my mouth. Honest to God. Up until I was about 17, if you had said to me, if you'd have said to 17-year-old me, okay, Dean, in 10 years' time, you're going to present a show on Gaydio, I would say, no, I'm not. Because I couldn't say the word. I couldn't say the word gay. That's an incredible journey then. It's the best journey. And really, your mum's been... You probably knew anyway that your mum was going to be more than okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I was worried about. I don't know why it took me so long to sort of face up to it. I was not afraid of her or what she was going to say or what anybody was going to say in my family because, like I said before, they are the best family I could ever ask for. So it was just a case of saying the words. Do you know what I mean? It's that mm. it's that actual word that you need to say, I'm gay. Mm. And was moving to, to England to move to London and then eventually Manchester, was that really the search for fame and fortune? Or was there an element of, it's not great to be gay in Northern Ireland? Was that ever part of it? No, no. I, I definitely moved to London for the bright lights and the, mm. and the West End, you know, and I went there to follow my dreams of being an actor and mm. being in musical theatre. And, you know, I always say that, the arts world held me up when I was mm. falling, you know, when they were breaking up and I had no one else to turn to. I was fine because I was dancing. So that dancing kept me going. I danced my way to London, you know, as you say, in search of fame and fortune. And, you know, in some ways I find that and I find my place within society. And I always go back to Belfast. And in fact, you know, I did a TV show called Young, Free and Single, which was all about me finding the one which didn't happen. Belfast Pride rang me up and said, look, we've loved you on the show. You're a great advocate for young LGBT people in Northern Ireland. Would you, you know, come and host Belfast Pride? And for me, that was the ultimate, the ultimate sort of accolade. Yes, I will absolutely return to my home city and I will absolutely host Belfast Pride for you. What a fantastic experience. So if you could turn around and speak to that 16 or 17 year old Dean who was 
terrified of even saying the word gay to his own mother. What would you say to him? I would say, you're beautiful. Um, you've got the most incredible journey ahead. Um, your mum loves you. Your dad loves you. Don't let whatever's going on in their lives put you off from speaking out. They're adults and they're supposed to hear you no matter what the circumstance. They're your parents. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of saying those words. Those words should be afraid of you because what you're going to do with those words is make a path by which other young people are going to follow. You are going to fly the flag for so many other young people just like you, from the backgrounds just like you. People will look up to you for being gay. Own that three-letter word. Use it in every single day of your life. Use that word. Because in 10 years' time, you're going to celebrate what it's like to be LGBT. And 16-year-old Dean... You don't even know what LGBT means yet because they haven't worked it out. They're still trying. They're still pulling the alphabet together. <laughs> you're part of a journey that's evolving. You're part of a community that loves you and serves you. Um, don't be afraid and say the words "I am gay." It's going to help you because you're going to need therapy because of this in about five or six years' time. So get the words out now and own it because. You need to put it to bed because you've got a hell of a journey coming up for you. And is that the same advice you give to young people who are 16 or 17 today? Um, I think, you know, in 2018 now, we are of a society that is expressive and is a lot more spiritually aware than certainly when I was growing up. You know, there was no such thing as non-binary. Being trans was being called a tranny. Was, mm. you know, was, Putin, was Putin a shake-and-go wig on, a pair of platforms and a bit of lipstick. That was the height of being a drag queen whereas now we've got a whole sort of cultural phenomenon which actually supports and welcomes people from all backgrounds we didn't have that when we were growing up um, so I would say to those young people that, that that are listening that you know we're here for you This you have no idea how beautiful this community is you know there there is a door here that's that's waiting for you to open and step inside but you need to own yourself today, who you are today, doesn't mean to say that that's who you are for the rest of your life. If you're bisexual, that's amazing that you're taking that step and you're and that you are you're willing to to explore this new avenue that might take you to your further destination. You know, there's no one's judging you here. No one. So give yourself a break. Relax. Take it easy. Don't be so hard on yourself. Your sexuality is only a small part of you. What's important is your soul and your soul's just waiting for you to reconnect with it and uh, and, and give it a big hug. Massive thank you to Dean for sharing his story. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. I'm Emma Goswell. And Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On Media production. In the next podcast, you'll hear from Olivia. She was just getting out of the car, getting into her car, and we had a kiss goodbye. And it was outside my house, and my mum was still at the window. And I looked at her, and I was like, I think my mum just saw me kiss you.